Amen, amen, amen. Well, tonight, I, it will not be the typical Brother Golf, I assure you, and I hope that it's not me that gets in the way. But I have a message that I believe God, I know God wants to give to us tonight. And I pray that the church has their hearts and their minds ready to receive it. If we could, I'd like to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 14. We're going to read through verse 17. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 14 through 17, reading in the first verse of our reading says, There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. And I said that this also is vanity. And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that, the God, that God has given him under the sun. And when I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. And then I saw the work of, of God, and that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it. Amen, amen. I don't have a title. We'll get a title later, I'd imagine. But I want to preach to us tonight, and hopefully God helps me as He has so given me the Word for us tonight to hear the Word. Let's lay our Bibles down and let's talk to Him tonight before we get into the message. Heavenly Father, we love You, Jesus. We thank You, God, for the opportunity to hear the Word We love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, Master. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Tonight, church, in the crosshairs of this message, in the crosshairs of this preacher, is the spirit of weariness. On June 30th, I was standing over where Brother Hilton is standing by the altar, and God laid it on my heart as I stood there and looked over the congregation. And God placed on my heart, you're weary. You're weary. Nothing will change while we are weary. You may be seated. And I'll need the help of God. And I'll need your help tonight. Because I fight this battle with you. And I pray that God gives us each and every one victory tonight. I do not need your response in an amen, a hallelujah, stand up, clap your hands, run the aisle. I need zero from you. You forget where I've been preaching for two years. I am used to it. You cannot phase me. You cannot do anything that would cause me to lose my mojo or my perceived direction from God. I am used to dead, dry, zero church mouse. And we still have church. But what God needs from us is not just another Sunday night service. 
Something has to change. And I have a word from God as I so feel the anointing right now that somebody's going to get what they need tonight. And I need you to listen closely. I'm not the prophet nor a son of a prophet, but God's wanting to set someone free from that spirit of weariness that is keeping you from your destiny in this church. And if you don't address it, it will walk you right out these doors and you'll be so weary you can't come to church anymore. You will give up. In the prior verses, the writer has already pointed out that the people did not seem to be getting what they deserved in this life. And the wicked who do not fear God, they were not punished for their sins and they in turn lived long lives. The reward for the richest, as you see, the, the, the wicked, the righteous man, seems to be handed over to the non-believer for them to possess. And they were given honorable burials and heralded in the city. And regardless of the belief or the perceived blessings of those who do not fear God, I come to tell you, keep trusting in God. Because He has everything under control. He has everything in the palm of His hands. I need you and God needs you to trust Him tonight. He owns your future, your destiny, and today. The problem you're facing, what is dragging you down, God has it with you. Don't lose hope. In verse 12, I'm going to read several verses of Scripture that are in different translations. And in verse 12 it says, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those that fear God. And as we read on into verse 14, it leads the writer to draw the larger conclusion about the limitation of our human understanding. And it says, and this, and this is what it says in the New Living Translation, it says, And this is not all that is meaningless in our world. In this life, good people, good people, are often treated as though they are wicked, and wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is so meaningless. And what our problem is, is we begin to look around us, and we say, why is God blessing my enemy? Why is my enemy beginning to have things happen that I pray for? Why is it those who do not live for God have and I have not? Your eyes are on the wrong thing. You are so focused and fixated on things around you that you are losing sight of the greatness of God. Your mindset as is, it says in Psalms chapter 73 and verse 14, this is your spirit tonight. For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. That is how you feel tonight. This very day, this spirit of weariness you feel upon you, God is wanting to relieve you, eradicate. Nothing that I can do. It's all upon your will and desire. But God wants to help somebody tonight. He wants to set you free tonight. And so reading on into verse 15, it says, I, so I recommended having fun because there is no better, nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. We get the phrase from it, eat, drink, and be merry. And it's all in several verses of scripture. 
That way they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. Let me rephrase it this way. The happiest thing for a man is to make the best of what he has and to take with him all his work, a cheerful and contented heart. Now the writer of this verse of scripture known as the preacher, which is uh, Solomon and his wisdom, what we find is in the writer he's asking us not to get so wrapped up in things but enjoy the pleasures of this life. And what we find is as Christians and, and in the apostolic faith, People are applying this literally. If I can only eat, drink, and be merry. That's all I want out of this life. If I can't have the wealth and the riches, or the Hilton, if I can't have everything that's laid at my feet, I, at least I have the eat. God puts shoes on my feet, food on my table. You don't have to convince me I know my God is able to give us, eat, meat, and drink, and be merry. In reading on, there's a verse of Scripture. Uh, if I find it real quick, I had it here. You see. In verse 9, chapter 9, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it real briefly. It says, Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life, and thy vanity in which he has given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, that for that this is the portion in this life and in thy labor that thou takest under the sun. Here's the problem with how we apply these verses of Scripture. And you don't even know you're applying them when weariness is on your life. Here's what you're satisfied with. I just want to get up every day and have a good day and come home and see my beautiful wife, hug my children, and I have been blessed. And you're totally okay with that. And that is a blessing from God. Not everybody has that. Not everybody has that opportunity as I walk in to get five hugs and a hug from my wife, make it the sixth, and a lick from the dog. Not everybody gets that every day. But I do. I get that kind of affection every day. I could be happy with just that. I could be totally satisfied and say, God... I thank you for your blessings. And you have made me so rich in things that not everybody else has. But then I step back and say, God, that's not all you want from me. Now church, we have heard revival preached, teached. Every which way you can spell revival, put revival over this pulpit, sang to us, talked to us, showed us, testified about, prophesied about, dreamed about, and we eat, drink, and be merry. And Those of us that have a spouse, we're happy. Now, that does not bring revival. This isn't a revival message. But weariness prevents revival. It keeps it from progressing. It keeps it from taking its step forward. And tonight... I want for us to zero in on it and look at our life and say, God, where is it that you want me to change? Where are those things you want to do in my life where I have to be different in addressing the spirit of weariness? Truth be told, there are people sitting on pews tonight that have already given up. But I've come to tell you, there is hope. 
I know this because I have sat on this very church pew and have given up and said, God, why? Why me? Why did you pick me? I'm done, God. But then a preacher come along and begin to preach the word of God and says, no, no, no. You're not done. You are not finished. There's something that has to be done and accomplished in your life. And church tonight, I've come to tell you, do not give up under the spirit of weariness. You need to rebuke it and say, listen, devil, I don't want you to consume me, control me, manipulate me, influence my spirit anymore. Period. I'm done. I'm through. You have to be so done with it that just to think about it makes you mad. Makes you furious. It makes you so obsessed about it that you say, God, take it out of me. Push it out of me. Pry it out of me. Scrape it out of me. Beat it out of me. I want nothing to do with weariness. And you sit there and you say, Brother Goff, you don't know my circumstances. You are exactly right. I don't, but he does. You don't know what's placed in my life. You don't see my bank account. You don't see the bills. You don't see my job. You don't see the inward parts of my heart. You don't see what I wrestle with at night when nobody else is around. I don't care. God does. And weariness wants you to stay in that hole. He wants to beat you in that corner. And he wants you to stay there and say, I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel. But God's saying, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You need to tell the stinking, dirty, lying devil, I'm through with weariness. And stop sitting on the pew and saying, just another service has went by. Something has to consume you because God is here to talk to you and tell you, I am done. I have a revival. I want to pour it out. I want to change. As we were praying, you may be seated as we were praying Thursday night, we begin to pray. And God so impressed upon me. And I begin to say the words, God, prepare us for revival. Prepare us. And saints, I begin to feel the Spirit. And I'll be honest with you, I'm just a man. But I was praying, and there's times you pray, and it's praying because you want to tell that flesh, you dirty, rotten, stinking flesh, we're praying. But when I begin to pray and say, God, prepare us for revival, something began to change. I said, God, you're wanting us to go this direction, aren't you? Yes. And I begin to pray, God, prepare us, our mindset our hearts, our abilities, everything. Now, I'm not the first preacher. I'm probably the thousandth preacher that has said this. We got to do something with it now. We can't sit there and be idle. We can't sit there and say, well, when revival comes, I want to be a part of it. I can tell you, Brother Goff, Sister Goff, and our family, we're here to be a part of revival. We want to walk in the absolute perfect will of God. I will only step where he says step. I will only say what he says to say. Because I understand this world is shaken. Something is moving. I don't need to talk about earthquakes and the evil. But I can tell you in the apostolic churches, something is beginning to shift. It is starting to change. And we must be a tin tune with God and feel that. Say, did you feel that? Did you, did you feel that? It's a tremor. I see the waters moving. You know what? When, though, when that man that was laying by the pool of Bethesda, 
They didn't sit there and say, the water's moving, yes, but it's not moving quite enough. Let it get to a rolling boil, then I'll get in. I promise you, when they sat there all those years, and they seen that water start to move, it's, I'm going in. It was mayhem. Everybody jumping, and whoever got in first got their healing. And you know what? The disappointment of everybody that just jumped in and got wet. But truth, church, we're not here just to get wet. We're here to step into revival. And it'd be waters to swim in. And it'd be something that consumes us as it has consumed me. And it has to be something that changes us, molds us, makes us to where the old true church, we look back and say, I remember when, but look at today. Look at what we are today. Remember when we couldn't, but look at what we can. Look at what God has done to us. And we look back and say on this day, weariness was prayed out of my life. It was preached out of my life. I was so convicted, I gave it up. And I said, devil, you've been living here long enough. And I evicted him and kicked him out of the house that was my dwelling of my body. Weariness will stifle every revival. Weariness will destroy everyone's potential. You are going to get weary of me talking about it tonight. Because I so believe that God gave me this word. And when I was praying during the songs, I said, God, I can just preach this message. Or do you want me to go up and address the spirit of weariness? And he gave me the green light. And so here we are tonight, with or without you. God has a plan. It's easy for us to say, look, I have everything in order. My house is in order. I have my beautiful wife, I have my handsome husband, everything's perfect. And then we step back and say, what is missing? And in every case, if you don't have revival in your life, you are still empty. Brother Hilton, God is moving in my life in ways I never thought was possible. I have been so hungry. I have just been craving a move of God in my life. It's been consuming me. I can't. It got so bad, so bad, that I had to pray that God, I can't even hardly do my job at work. I'm sitting there listening to messages, listening to the Bible, feel the Holy Ghost. And I look and I said, God, you've got to let me do my job because without it, I have a family. But I begin to go through and listen to messages. And it's like, I've got to hear the Word of God. I listened to this past Monday, I listened to all four lessons on authority at work. I had a day that was allowing me to do so where I was doing some work. I wasn't unproductive, I promise you. In case my boss is listening. Um, I did my job, attended my meetings, but I was able to get through all four of those lessons in one day. And then I was like, oh, I need more. And I've listened to messages, messages all through then. And I listen to the Bible. I'm trying to listen to the Bible and go through and read it and, 
And at just every waking moment, I get up, I want to listen to the Word of God. I sit down, I want to read the Word of God. When I have idle time at work, I'm putting an earbud in, I'm listening to a message. Begin to listen to pastor's message. When you guys perked my interest, when you says I want to be in the cockpit, I was like, now what is that all about? I went and found out what it was all about. What a message. It stirred me, sitting there amongst several thousand people at work and multiple floors of people, and I'm sitting there saying, there is a God. They may not be able to feel all those around me sitting there doing their job, but I'm sitting there. I can't hardly sit still. My legs are moving. I'm bouncing in my chair, and I'm like, I cannot believe the word that I just heard. God is moving in my life. But he hasn't always. I haven't always allowed him to. I have been in the way. Douglas has prevented God from doing his will in my life. And if we were all honest, we would say the very same thing. We would say, yeah, but I got to do this. Yeah, but I got to do that. You know what I did? The things that caused me to say, yeah, but they're out of my life. They're gone. You got to be careful, though. When you obsess about cleaning things out, you got to be careful that you don't just become an obsession and miss the mark. You can go too deep. You can go too far. Balance. So I admonish you, just take it as God leads you. But I, being honest, began to look at my life, and this year I begin to say, God, what do you want in my life? And I begin to look at things and say, this is taking my time. That's taking my time. This is keeping me from doing what I need to do in the work of God. This is preventing me from making those steps that I need to make to further the kingdom. It's gone. Take it out. You're out. You're gone. Don't even think about it. God, is this right or wrong? Yep, out. Evicting it. Not even getting a chance. Saying, Spirit, don't even think about it. You can't even defend your position. You're preventing me from doing what God wants to do in my life. And tonight... Somebody needs to clean the house tonight of weariness. I've been honest, and now it's time for you to be honest. I've been transparent. It's time for you to be transparent. There's a God. I could care less. Me as a person, as a man, God gave me scriptures. I'll preach it and do the will of God. But God has given us a word tonight that you should respond to. Not in screaming and shouting. It's been long enough to where someone has sat there and babied that thing and even gave it a name. You got a birth date for it. You buy it gifts. You say, ah, I won't pray. I'm too tired. You gave it a name. I won't read the word of God. I'm too tired. Oh, you combing its hair. Oh, I won't go to church. I'm too tired. You just changed his dirty diaper. Ah, I, I don't sit and, and, and do the things of God, and I won't study his word. You just burped it. We have taken things and coddled them and made them a part of our family. And if you were to take a picture in the Spirit, it'd be sitting there next to you, and you'd have your arm around it. You're embracing it because it's a crutch. Enough. Be an adult, grow up, and get over it. God is done. Done with you coddling weariness. The only reason it's here is because you give it place. The only reason it's here is because you've named it, you've babied it, you've coddled it. It's time for you to say, I'm done.
There is a reward for those who obey the word of God. Men, be a man. Get on your knees and pray. Here, let me change that. I will say that preaching to all of us. Men, be a man, get on your knees and pray. You cannot accuse me of saying something that I will not preach to myself. Fast and pray. Lead your families. Stop being lazy and idle. The word of God is wanting to blossom in your life and you're letting it foster and die and you watch it. I'm too tired. But God is reaching for you just as he did for the man who says, Master, what must I do to be saved? And he says, follow these commandments. He told him what to do by the Hiltons. He said, this is what you must do. And he says, I've done it from my birth. And you know what he said? Go and sell all you had. And he waffled at it. But we won't focus on that. Let's focus on this. The man had wealth and riches. He had things that possessed his time and competed for his interests. God did not, Jesus did not stand there and condemn him for it. He gave him an opportunity to fix it. Tonight is your fix-it moment. Tonight is the moment in time to where you can sit there and say, you're right, Brother Goff. I've given it a name. Here's its birth certificate. I've allowed it to influence my family and put itself in the way of me. And daddy's too tired to do this. And daddy's too tired to do that. And mom is too tired. And I have such a large family. And things are influencing me and keeping me from praying and keeping me from doing what the Word of God says to do. And just stop. And listen to yourself. And let God reach in and start scooping that out. And I promise you, I can promise you my testimony is getting rid of the spirit of weariness. When you have too much in your life that it prevents you from coming to an altar, I'm too tired. How does that feel to a God whose arm is not too short? He's not so deaf that he cannot hear. You want all those attributes when you need him. But here he is every day asking for us. I promise you, I am not preaching something that I have not myself wrestled with. That's why I'm so passionate about it. God wants to change us. He wants to give us revival like we've never seen. And as I said, it's beginning to shimmer and shake. And some of the details, I don't have all of them, but I have some of them to have a good understanding. And you may have seen them in social media, but my brother has begun to experience some revival. And if I remember the, sto- remember the story correctly, I got a text from Brother Merriman, and he says, Brother Goff, there's a man who just got out of prison, and he needs to go to a church. And he says, I think he's right by your brothers. And I said, okay, here's his number. That's the only credit I get in this whole story. I was just the telegram. I just copied a text and hit send. But little did I know, as some of you have seen, this man came in and prayed through the Holy Ghost and brought in his brother and his cousin, nephew, cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody. We've been there when they've had their pews packed out. And I believe he said in the last six or seven weeks, he's had 25 get the Holy Ghost. And I've walked up to them. And they're still there. These aren't the fake thumb in the air numbers that says, oh, they got the Holy Ghost and they never show back up. 
These are people that you could go there on a service on a Wednesday night and been there, and they're sitting there. And you know what? They're gangbangers. They're guys that you probably would not even want to deal with on the street, but God. It's fresh out of prison. That doesn't matter. God's got a purpose. He's got a plan. And if I was to ever be so tired as to say, Brother Merriman, I can't, I can't respond. How would that have been to have that knowing what I know now? To say, oh, I'm too tired. I'm too weary. I, I don't have time. I'm too busy. I'm too busy to think that a church to our understanding, I got the Holy Ghost 23 years ago there, and there's only been a handful that's got the Holy Ghost since that time, Brother Hilton. Another lady, Sister Paula, 23 plus years of hardly anyone getting the Holy Ghost, and then bam, 25 come in, and God, I think they are wearing that horse trough out. It's been awesome. But God is doing something, but it doesn't happen when people say, I don't have the strength. I don't have it. I'll let the pastor deal with it. I'll let the pastor handle it. He's the one pushing for revival. Revival has to burn just as we heard the other night about it starts with us. 100% absolutely correct. I can tell you as a father, I will never be the father I need to be until I have revival burning inside of my heart. And it's changed our family. The other day, be maybe more transparent than what I should be, but I don't care. We're at the house. Xander in the past didn't care to go to church. Didn't like to come to Truth Church. He would like to sit back there in the back with Sister Golf, and he'd watch him afar and be petrified. And just be absolutely petrified of church. Hated coming to church. And it was a chore to get him to come to church. And then, God filled him with the Holy Ghost on June 30th, Jubilee service night. It was beautiful. And then, I said, well, son, you need to be baptized. He says, I want to be baptized immediately. I said, all right, here's our options. we got Tuesday night church. We can go over to Truth Church. We can go Wednesday night to um, Cornerstone. Your Uncle Gabriel, we can get baptized there. We can probably find something around here Thursday night. Um, then we can look at the weekend. He says, no, I want to be baptized now. So I called my brother and I said, Gabriel, do you have water in your tank? He's like, no, but give me two hours. And my in-laws were coming to town. We said, all right, let's meet at 6.30 on Monday night. He went over there and filled the tank. My in-laws came in. My parents drove up. We went in there, and he says, I'm here to be baptized. We baptized him in Jesus' name. Had to baptize him twice because his little foot poked up out of the water. And then my brother says, Xander, I want you to look at something. I want you to look at something while we're standing here at the baptismal tank. He says, now watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull this plug. And you're going to watch every one of your sins go down the drain. And his eyes lit up. And he says, all right. And he reached his arm all the way down to the bottom and pulled that plug and water started rushing out. And that was a time to rejoice. The other night, since the family had figured out the transition to come here to Truth Church, the other night, Xander, I was getting dressed and he walked in the room and 
He's like, Daddy, what time's church? And I said, well, prayer starts at 7. Do you, do you think we can get there early? I said, son, we can get there as early as we need to. Do you think we can leave now? I said, son, we're leaving right now. God put something in his heart. But it started because a daddy got out of the way and said, God, change me and my family and make me more like you because I'm tired of hearing about revival and watches church, watching churches sitting and waiting on revival. Revival is here. Revival is in our midst. Weariness says, wait on revival. That's easy. Revival, you have to fight for it. You have to be intentional. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to change. That's what revival does. It makes us like him. Not us in our own image doing what we want. But when we begin to realize that there's something different about my intentions. I can't get enough of the word of God. I can't read it enough. God put it down deep in my heart. Let the spirit of weariness get out of my life in the name of Jesus. Let it change you. I stand before you not as one who can brag on being perfect. But my testimony is I listen to God. God's trying to reach to each and every one of us on a word that wants to change your life and you still don't believe him. We'll give you some more words. Psalms chapter 40 and verse 5 says, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And thy thoughts which are toward us, or, uh, or to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee, and I will, would declare and speak of them, that they are more than can be numbered. You don't realize how good you have it, and how good your God is. Let me read a passage of scripture in Psalms. This is in the ESV. It says, why do you say, in, I'm sorry, in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my might is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint nor grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Saints of God, I don't care how weak or feeble you may feel in the Holy Ghost in your walk with Him, He gives strength. He promises it to us. He says, I can give. I just need you to ask and request. And we get hung up and we get wrapped up around the things of the wicked. In Psalms chapter 73, in verse 15, this translation says it this way. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. Period. If you were honest with yourself, you're afraid that other people in this church would judge you. If you said, Pastor, brother, preacher, I need God's help. You are so afraid of what other people think that you want to just play the part. But I promise you, we cannot have revival with everybody playing the part. Reading on, I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless... I'm sorry, go back up to 16. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. Here we have the same vein of thought again. 
so focused and fixated on what everybody else is doing. And we can take out the wicked and we can say, what all the other churches have in revival. All the other people feeling God. Everybody else's life is so perfect on Instagram. I will leave that alone. Everybody else's church is blowing up and in a building program. And we've had this poster in our foyer for years on end and God still hasn't done it. And you're stuck on it. Every time you walk in, you say, told you God couldn't do that. I'm just going to go in and have a Sunday night service. When are we going to have that? But you've got to have faith. You have to have understanding. You have to be a part of that story. You have to say, God, change me and mold me and make me. Let inside of me resonate the word of revival. Let it change me to where I no longer say, I'm tired of doing this. Or I wish I didn't have to. But let those words escape from your vocabulary. And you say, God, I need you more than anything. You are my oxygen. You are what courses through my veins. You are what makes me think right. You're what makes me live right, makes me talk right. When you give him credit for all those things, God can do a work in you. Verse 17, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. In the next three verses of Scripture He manages, God steps in and manages the wicked, makes them fall down and get destroyed in the ravines and destroys them. In verse 21 it says, Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was torn up inside. Lord, Lord, Lord. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seen like a senseless animal to you. Yet, I still belong to you, and you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Verse 25, Whom I, Who have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. Saints of God, the word of the God for you tonight is to cleave to him. Look at your situation. Examine your heart and say, I don't feel you, God. Why? I'm not out of the book. I'm giving you scriptures. It's not the word that's falling from my word, from my mouth to yours. This isn't me. I don't want to preach this message. I got another beautiful word that God gave me this morning that ends up in Acts 2. And who doesn't love a message like that? Beautiful, exciting about the new birth. God gave me a message to talk about weariness. Now it's up to you in closing if the musicians would come. Sometimes in our spirit we go weary. But we must have to look like it says in Psalms. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign God my shelter. And I will tell everyone about his wonderful things that you do. God needs to be everything in your life, and weariness has no place.
But I'm afraid that we've adopted, as the French say, c'est la vie of that is life and such is life. And we apply that. I just want to have sleep, drink, and be merry, have a beautiful family, and have the blessings of God. Your situation is not so dire that God cannot change it tonight. Do not lose hope. Just as the young man who came to Jesus, as I said before, he didn't say, Curseth is thou rich man. He said, It's almost impossible for you to get into heaven. But he gave him an out. Sell all you have. Give to the poor. And follow me. Today, we sit here in an apostolic service. Let's stand tonight. Rich in God's glory. Rich in His blessings. Rich in the word service after service. The worship is on point. The church is clean, lit up, nice and cool. And we still can walk in and be weary. The preacher can pour his guts on the floor. But we're too weary to respond. The pastor can have sleepless nights. And meals pushed away from the table one after another. Why? Because revival. Because revival. Consumed with it. But weariness is saying, hold me. Change my diaper. Comb my hair. Burp me. Make me a part of your life. You can't live without me. Yes, you can. You can live without weariness. And if I may put it this way, you will not live until you don't have weariness. Let's lift our hands and talk to him tonight. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. God, you see the hearts of each and every one of us here tonight. This word is for 100% of every one of us. My life, God, needs to be changed by this word tonight. My response, God, is not to stream my head off, but it's to repent. Just as you had men of a repent, I want to repent. God, I want my life to be consumed with revival. Let's find us a place to pray tonight. And if we're honest, we'll talk to the Creator and tell Him what He needs to change because we know what it is. We know its name. We know how we've coddled it. We know how we gave it a place. We put it in the family pictures. We wake up with it at night and I'm so tired. We need God to change us. Nobody is exempt from weariness. God, help me and change me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. That's it, church. Talk to him. This isn't about Brother Golf and what he wants. This is your walk with God. This is your opportunity. This is your time to make it right. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I love you, Master. Talk to us, God. You see us in our time of prayer. We ask that you reach down and show us. Reveal within our heart what you want to change. Show us the things we need to repent of. Draw us, God, to a place so revival is not waited on, but it's born.